Hello, this is Krista. Hi, this is Lewis. Welcome to Casually Awkward, a podcast about how awkward and anxiety-provoking experiences can help us see how strange we all are. We examine interpersonal and social habits that are taken for granted. We challenge ideas of normalcy and give voice to the awkward and uncomfortable. Join us as we explore how being normal isn't so normal after all. How was lunch? Lunch was real good, huh? That you you killed that salmon. That salmon was real good. Thank you for that. Yeah, I've I actually really like cooking keto. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why is that? What about it? You get to because it's focusing mostly on meat. It's focusing on meat and vegetables, mm-hmm. but you get to make it like very fatty, and it makes it feel very fancy. I feel like I'm making an entree at a nice restaurant Mm -hmm. and that's pretty simple because you're just cooking meat and that can be done pretty simply and same with vegetables so it's actually way faster than it seems like it would be right yeah yeah you just because you sometimes like like with the salmon you just cook them together and then boom they're done yeah we made salmon with broccoli cauliflower with herbs and olive oils really good delicious and we had it with some salad it's perfect yeah we just need to keep a lot of avocados on hand now And a lot of vegetables. And veggies. And And meat. The salads are good. And, of course, protein. Mm -hmm. Got to have that protein. It's been really interesting. I think it's... I'm starting to think it's not the best idea to do such a drastic change. It's almost like like junkies with drugs, right? Like, you should come down. You got to come down slowly. You can't... Like, I mean, you can go cold turkey. Like, people do it with cigarette smoking and stuff. But it's a lot harsher on your body, right? Like, yesterday, my body was freaking out. Like, I was getting a headache... I like just felt weird. Uh, there's a, there's something like a keto flu where it feels like you're sick. Oh God! Cause I think it's because your body's so used to certain amounts of sugar because it's addicted to the sugar. Right. That's why I was trying to do like a week of keto esque diet without going full on leading up to it. The keto's been uh, interesting. I guess it's a challenge. It's an interesting challenge to drastically change your diet. For me, I didn't intake a lot of sugars. I mean, I, I, we all do, so I, of course, did. Uh, but it's the carbs. The carbs that my body just, oh, my body misses those those delicious, delicious carbs. What do you miss the most? It's tough right now because I miss all of it. There was that pizza commercial earlier that got me real sad. Cause yeah. I was like, oh, man, I want some Lewis pizza. Lewis looked at the TV as if his dog died. I mean, that's how it felt. Yeah. And it came on again. I, I, I had to look away. I couldn't even watch the commercial. And they were advertising a New York-style pizza. Was that the hardest part? Probably, yeah. Yeah, I noticed you really had an emotional response uh, just in your body language. It was a very visceral response. Yeah, your just body language. You just you hung your head low. You did a big sigh. Your eyes just got sunken. It was, it was really I felt bad for you. Well, because at that moment, my heart was like, I really want some fucking pizza. And then I turned to you and I said, it's not forever. Oh, feels like forever already. Been three days. Doesn't pizza sound really good right now? Oh, man. Pizza always sounds good. There's never a time it doesn't sound good. Mm-hmm. So, hey, everybody. Uh, be- besides keto, uh, welcome to another episode of Casually Awkward. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Lewis, and I'm joined by my co-host. Krista. And don't worry, we are not going to keep talking about keto. Uh, but we're, we brought it up because it, it brings up a lot of emotions for us. And that's really what we're going to be talking about. Besides not being able to eat pizza, is there anything else that makes you emotional? Um, yeah, there's lots of things. You know, it might sound stereotypical, but I am a New Yorker. I'm very emotional about things. Uh, I'm not your typical New Yorkers and I'm not loud about them, but... I do have very strong opinions uh, on lots of things. Like? Like what constitutes good New York pizza or just good pizza in general. Speaking of pizza. So you're only really passionate about pizza is what I hear. I mean, at the moment, that's that's my focus because there's there's just a plethora of things that I can't eat that I love eating. So yeah, pizza's on my mind. Uh, but there's there's all kinds of things like, you know, just examples of what we've talked about on this show already, like bus etiquette and, and etiquette in public, um, interacting with people. Uh, like I have very strong ideas on that. Obviously, at, at work, I have very strong like design and artistic and creative Yeah, the last ideas. time the last time I talked to you and you were really 
I'm going to use the word emotional, but mm-hmm. usually that sounds like a woman crying. Uh, but you were really frustrated and angry. Was it when you were talking about work? Yeah, I mean, in, in terms of chronologically, that was probably the last time I was. Did I you was really show emotional. that emotion at work, or did you keep it hidden? No, no, I'm not. I wear my emotions on my sleeve. I'm not good at uh, hiding them. Um, I might, I might reserve yelling about them till I'm home, but I'll definitely show the kind of mood I'm in. For sure. Has that have you had a do you have you had experiences where that was a benefit for you and experiences where that was a negative? Sure. I'm I think I've gotten certain jobs because of my passion, right? Uh for certain things. Um sorry folks, talking about day jobs, but uh not not this one. But yeah, I think there's 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 some times where, you know, during an interview if a topic comes up that I'm really passionate about, it, it might show the kind of things that I'm into and the skills that I have. And I'm sure that has helped me in the past. And but have you ever gotten a positive response from showing your frustration or anger? And then because of that, like there was a positive like recognition that, oh, you were right or that you should point like the, your frustration benefited you because you were kind of asserting yourself and then you got your way or anything right. like that. I think for the most part, if I'm, if I'm up in arms about something because I think, hey, this is the correct way or this is the proper way to do this and it's happening some other way. Usually if it's a situation where I am later vindicated and it, I was proven to be right, uh, usually there's no one says anything. I think that's common <laughs> unless unless you say something, right? Like if, if there was a point you made uh, and I was telling you up and down, no, that you're wrong, you're wrong about that, and then it's we find out some we get some more information and find out that you were correct and I was wrong you know unless usually unless the person who was wrong says oh yeah sorry about that you know I stand corrected you were right probably no one's gonna tell you and give you that validation but you've never been upset like oh this is this is this is not the way to do it this is so unprofessional or whatever and then they say and they're like oh oh I didn't realize let's do it the way you're do, suggesting. Like, you've ever, Have you ever experienced where you get upset about something mm-hmm. and because they see you're upset, it points out to them that they need to take that situation more seriously? I'm sure it's happened. Like, I, I, I'm not good at going through, like, a catalog of my entire life, so I'm sure it's happened. I can't think of any at the moment. Okay, I was just curious. Yeah. How about you? Has anyone ever accused you of being too emotional, Krista? Yeah. I've always worked with a lot of women, mm-hmm. and apparently a lot of them internalize misogyny because, uh, I know, I, I don't know. I think it's hard when everyone gets synced up, you know? Synced, also synced up. Oh, or everyone's on the same menstruation cycle. Oh, sorry. I was trying. I was trying to pull something deeper out of that, but no, it, it, it meant. That it, is pretty deep. Yes, it's yes. A, but I thought maybe that was some, some high-level metaphor. I mean, it, uh, I think sometimes there gets to be a lot of drama, and I am can be very emotional. And I don't, I don't know how to talk about this. I just feel like I've been put in corners before at mm-hmm. work, and people talk down to me, and almost like they're talking to me like a child. Right. And... If I get angry at work or feel frustrated or overwhelmed, my guttural response is to like my voice will quiver and I might start tearing up and I still want to be taken seriously. But at the same time, I recognize that it's like either I can stop talking and try to make this feeling of crying go away, which sucks because it's like obviously it's something I wanted to say. Right. Or I keep going, but then it sounds like I'm crying and my voice is quivering. And then there's like a certain amount of potential people feeling sorry for me. Okay. Um, and then potentially like a disrespect, like a um, not respecting me. Because I think in general women, there's a certain idea that if you sh- cry, you're weak. You need to act more like a man to show your strength. And, you know, you can be emotional and cry, but don't do it in front of people. Don't do it like a meeting or anything like that. Wow, so you think that's, is that common, would you say? What? That idea of of sort of purposely not showing emotion and being quote-unquote more like a man in the workplace? 
I think so. I think there's a definitely a certain thing where women try to not be too emotional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before this episode, I was looking and it uh, talks about there's studies that show that men generally just cry less than women. Biologically, men cry less than women. Okay. So, of course, in a work setting, women are going to be more likely to cry. But I think they're stigmatized. There's a whole history of women being emotional or hysterical women right. women aren't as intelligent because they're too emotional they're too tied to their bio- biology which when i said we're synced up i mean that was kind of a joke about the assumption that women aren't able to be leaders or manage things because their period will make them topsy-turvy which is just not true yeah totally i think i think that stereotype of of women being too emotional is constantly uh held against women and it's it's totally used as ammunition to either dismiss or, or discredit them, right? And I was asking you about uh, being angry and asking if, if that had benefited you because I do think in a work setting sometimes showing a little bit of aggression or frustration can be seen as a man having a lot of passion for something and mm. a showing assertiveness, whereas a woman... Uh, being just as frustrated but maybe having uh, tears come up or tears welling or something like that in a very similar situation Uh would be seen as her being weak and overreacting got it yeah i don't i think you know just quickly running through scenarios that i can remember yeah i I don't think my anger has as i think it's it's hindered me more than it's helped in in most situations yeah i was just curious and i and i think also the that concept that Men are expected to be, when they show emotion, it should be anger. And women, I don't know. I like the men, women have women a more broad to... array of emotions, whereas men can only be content or angry or hungry. Yeah, I think a lot of times, especially in a public setting, I think there is this weird underlying thing where women are supposed to always be smiling, right? Or always have this sort of happy and welcoming disposition. Right. Uh, you know, there's the joke of, you know, uh, men out on the street telling women to smile because they look like they're upset or they're not happy. And it's, it, it makes the men uncomfortable. Yeah, it's just, yeah, there, there's just, there's this weird, it's all tied into the very complex world of, of gender roles mm-hmm. where men are supposed to be maybe stoic and, uh, you know, maybe short-tempered and that's okay, where women are supposed to be very happy and welcoming and they're always supposed to be in a great mood and make you feel good. And if they're not in a good mood, they're crazy. (laughs) I I mean, those are extremes, but yeah, sure, probably. She's a crazy bitch, you know, or whatever. She's she's a nag. She's hysterical. These are all things that are often talked about women and it's just when they disagree with something right right it's just it's an immediate yeah it's totally uh an immediate dismissal of whatever that person or that woman is thinking or feeling it's really shitty yeah it makes me think of that video you showed me that nike commercial oh yeah that that the the latest sort of nike ad campaign it's it's really amazing yeah do you remember what it was called uh, yes, it's uh, I've been seeing them use the show them what crazy dreams can do uh, tagline in that one. Yeah, it, you if you guys should check it out. It um, it made me tear up. It was speaking <laughs> <laughs> of emotions. It was just really empowering talking about women not being let into a lot of sports mm-hmm. arenas and how every time a woman wanted to do something, if it was run a marathon or win a grand slam or play basketball or coach the NBA, it was thought to be crazy until they did it. And so just encouraging women to just do it. Um, So that was really cool. And that's, I seems to have always been a thing. Well, I I say the word always uh, very loosely and not literally there, but that seems to be a prevalent thing uh, again in those gender roles where it's almost like women aren't supposed to be ambitious, right? They're supposed to be happy, being the homemaker, staying at home with the kids, that's like that's their role. And Just be happy with what you have. Yeah, and and I'm so extremely happy to see all of these walls that are being broken down. There's still a lot uh to be broken down, but there there's so we've made so much progress. I think I said we still have a lot long way to go. But it is it's still shocking to me how much 
these really weird backwards ideas are, are, are still in place, especially this idea that, like you said, men can show emotion and that emotion has to be anger or hunger, maybe to use your example. Um, but that, you know, the opposite gender women can't. It, it's almost yeah, women it's, aren't allowed to be angry it's, it's to me it's, it's it's a strange backwards idea that there's this range of emotions and you can only access these and i can only access these it just it just doesn't even make any sense and it just puts both both groups in a box and then allows doesn't allow them to communicate or share emotions or mm-hmm. be themselves and it has it forces people to hide their emotions and feelings which just perpetuates miscommunications and and just people not being happy or able to communicate how they're really feeling. Yeah. And honestly, I, I truly believe that on the flip side of that, where boys and men are discouraged from being in tune with their emotions and sort of cutting off their emotions and, and, and not listening or paying attention to them, I think that's one of the main ingredients for, you know, this toxic masculinity that we have. Yeah. That's prevalent. I mean, it's really scary if you think about if if a boy feels like the only way he can really share, really express his feelings is through anger. Mm-hmm. Like that's some scary stuff, right? Because there's troubling. a lot of frustration and mixed feelings, especially um, as a young person. Um, and if you only feel like you can express that through anger, and usually that's often violence, that's so unhealthy for the for the for the the person feeling it and the people around them who might be receiving the violence. Yeah, I think you know, being able to speak as much as I can or as limitedly as I can from the the male point of view. I, I don't want to speak for all men, but hashtag uh, not all men. <laughs> uh, I, I I really feel like. Anger is almost the default position or reaction, especially when you have a person who is disconnected with their emotions mm-hmm. and they have this feeling and it's almost it's almost that confusion, right? Of going, oh, what is this joy I feel? Or what is this, uh, if it's not maybe, if it's... Sadness. Yeah, if it's just, if it's, just a, it's a feeling they're not familiar with. Uh, I feel like there's first that confusion and then for some reason there's always following that, that anger that lashes out to sort of reject that emotion. Yeah, because, I mean, if you can't feel sad, if you can't be sad or mourn the loss of a relationship or whatever, and the only feeling you can have is anger, then your response to that is going to be so one-sided and negative. Instead of growing from it, you're just going to focus on what the, you know, it, it just doesn't seem healthy to only focus on anger when there's such an a variety of emotions that are so much more complex because you can be angry and sad mm-hmm. and relieved yeah. at the same time. Right. But it, 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 it's really important for, I think everybody And it, you know, I don't want to just pigeonhole men because I think uh, women and, you know, everyone can benefit from just being more aware of our own emotions. Totally. Um, and I know there's a movement to try to help kids be more aware of their emotions. Which is great. Like uh, labeling emotions, pointing out when they, you know, when you're reading or whatever, like the faces of characters and asking Mm -hmm. them, how do you think they feel? What do you think their emotions are? To help kids recognize different emotions and then helping them recognize the emotions they have. So that when they're sad, they can say, I'm sad. Right. Because I think... For many people, that's something they didn't learn till they were teens, maybe adults. I don't know. Yeah, I think a bigger thing, too, when you were saying that, I was thinking about it, is also the fact that confusion or sadness or anger or happiness, none of these are, quote-unquote, bad emotions, no. right? Like, we all we all feel these range of emotions from time to time. Like, it's not a, it's not a... It's not a difference between bad and good. It's it's more of how you process that emotion and what you do with that emotion. So I think just being able to recognize it and understand it is totally the first step. Yeah, and even even the emotions that are associated more with being positive, I think, are also things that sometimes we just don't embrace. That feel like just feelings of joy and excitement and and love and tenderness can also be can feel really taboo if you're not if you're not really comfortable looking into those more 
uh, intimate emotions. And I think it's really great that whether it's you know, school boards or just teachers themselves t- taking on that responsibility of, of incorporating that acknowledgement of emotions for children at a young age, because I feel like so much of the weirdness of it for most of us starts at a young age. Uh, again, like I know for men, it's like so many times and you have you might have a, a child who is, you know, for lack of a better term, in tune with their sensitivity and obviously times are changing now, but I'm sure, you know, uh, our fathers and uncles and some people in an older generation and even some in our generation, unfortunately, can tell you stories of being in school and being uh, bullied or harassed or, or, or called, you know, um, all kinds of things just for not fitting a specific mold. And so it starts from that early age. You then start sectioning off parts of yourself and oh, I need to be this person that looks like this and reacts like this and talks like this. Do you remember a time when you were a kid and you cried and someone told you to stop crying? I I have a epically bad memory. So is that a no? I'm sure it's happened maybe. But you have no you have no remember remember you have you have no memory of crying as a kid and someone saying Come on, boys don't need to cry or I'm going to say suck it up or hit you or I don't know. There's a lot of techniques. Yes, uh, I will go ahead and just say even if I have blacked it out, I'm fairly confident that I can say my father did say that to me at least once in my life. You made me think about like my brothers and I've definitely seen them cry as adults but i'm thinking of them when we were younger they're older than me and i don't necessarily remember seeing them cry okay um i also don't really remember my dad crying my mom cried a lot i think i get my crying from my mom she cries a lot (laughs) okay (laughs) yeah so when i was a kid and i i would get upset i don't think i was necessarily told you shouldn't be crying so what to sort not to switch gears, but I guess yeah, go ahead to sort of broaden the conversation. Do you think? Would you say that in our current climate, this is actually changing and things are changing um, in a a more positive direction? Are a lot of these you know old guard ideas of of emotions, and again, those are I think intrinsically tied to to then gender. Um, are, 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 are we growing out of it, do you think? Or are we, are we still stuck in it in many ways of, of well, not being in tune with our emotions or, try, or, or not embracing our emotions? As far as like children and things like that, I don't work with kids anymore and I don't have a child. Sure. So in that avenue, I'm not sure how people really really respond to the little boys getting upset. I know, yeah. And when I worked with kids, it was like with traumatized kids, with, you know, people who are specialized in, like, trauma. So their responses, I feel like, aren't aren't fair to, like, a general public. Uh, Maybe media and things like that might be a better assessment of just how men are portrayed. And if you see men being... Um, showing different varieties of motion on like TV and things might be a better uh, litmus test for that. Yeah, and I would say this is a perfect time to say, yeah, any parents out there who <laughs> experience this or have thoughts on this, uh, feel free to email us, casuallyawkwardpod at gmail.com, since none of us have children or work with children. But I, I, I like I said, I do love the idea that that's being incorporated in some way, shape, or form uh, for people at a young age. Yeah, I do think maybe people in uh, our age range, so 30-somethings and under, uh, it seems like men, and I won't say, uh, uh, there's been a higher amount of men who seem to be more comfortable having nuanced conversations and expressing emotions and being comfortable and exploring a variety of gender, expect like not being stuck in certain gender expectations. Yeah. Uh, it seems like there's definitely been a movement to not be stuck in this binary uh, and that there's not just two genders, obviously. Right. Uh, but that, yeah, things are the expectation of 
a person because of their genitalia is that this is their role in a relationship. I don't think yeah. for a lot of people in our age range, and I'm, I'm assuming for younger kids, it's probably even more fluid. Um, so I'm not sure if I'm, I think yeah, I'm rambling at this no, point. No, no, it's, it's strange. Yeah. yeah, strange. I think that's mostly true, but I think also I am somewhat fascinated or equally fascinated and horrified by, you know, the amount of, men's rights oh the pushback uh, yeah, there's always a pushback to yeah that's right? true but yeah 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 oh poor them i think yeah i think it's they're it's, so sad i think it's worth mentioning that yeah there is this idea of don't tell me how to feel yeah but i think but i think at the heart of it that's not what it is it's more people saying hey you're allowed to feel and yeah. don't feel you shouldn't be scared of feeling yeah, I mean, I mean, we're basically talking about feminism, right? So the idea of feminism isn't to say women are better than men. It's to say, let's all have equal access to everything, including... The emotional spectrum. <laughs> the emotional spectrum. Uh, yeah. Getting paid the same and also being able to cry the same or yeah. take care of children or... I don't know. Just... Just be seen as equal, be seen as, you know, being on a team instead of being a dominator or sub someone who's less than. Yeah, there seems to always be a need to fill both ends of that spectrum, right? There always needs to be a dominant and a sub subordinate. But I don't think that's true. No, and I think I think that's not true. Like, um, and maybe that's true in aspects, I think. Like at any team, right? One person might be really good. I'm going to try to do a sports metaphor. Oh, I am waiting with bated breath. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So someone might be really good at passing. Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone should be good at passing. That's but, a thing. Uh, but like a layup. Maybe someone's really good at layup. Someone's really good at free free throws. Oh, like that. Yep. That's a thing. Someone might be really good at three-point shots. Oh, my goodness. Steph Curry, Yeah, we went for basketball. Example. We went basketball. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Um, someone might be really good at throw-ins, not throw-ins. I mean, it's like pass, like passing. But it, yeah, but isn't all right. It's inbound, inbound plays. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Or someone might be good with coming up with plays. Yeah, for sure. Um, someone might be really good at uh doing screens. Yeah, I'm they, just throwing out basketball gonna, reference at this part. All these, these all made sense. Right. All of these metaphors. And make so, sense. some people might be better than others at certain aspects of those things, and so you play to people's strengths. Right. Um. Yeah, if if a, if a sub dom works for you, that's great, but it's not the default. Well, and it's also like within the game, one person might be really good at one thing and another person might be good at another thing, and then those switch. So one person might be really good at defense, another person's really good at offense. So mm -hmm. one might be the dominant during the defensive game when they're on the defensive and vice versa. Right. Still with the sports metaphors. It's I'm amazing. trying. I'm trying. It's, it's also making me think of uh, Chris Rock's uh, tambourine stand up. Mm, OK. Which part? Where he talks about sometimes you have to play the tambourine. Oh, yeah. Just so the general. Yeah. Got just it, got the it. general premise. Yeah. And if you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix. Hopefully. Hopefully it's still on Netflix. Uh, it's really shout good. out to Chris Rock. Message us. Uh, <laughs> he he won't. Uh, have your people call our people. Sure. Uh, but. The, the general premise is some, you know, if you if you're never willing to play the tambourine, you're not really in a team. You're not really going to be able to be successful and you're not no, not one person is able to hold that spotlight the entire time. And sometimes you need to let the other person yeah. have the spotlight and you just keep the beat and play the tambourine. And that's how you can be happy yeah, because that... not one person can't hold the spotlight the entire time. Yeah, yeah. There's one lead singer, you know. Um, there, you can't have guitar solos the whole time. You think of it like a band. It's like everyone has their instrument to play, and sometimes you are in the spotlight. Sometimes you're just playing support, but you got to be able to. But you have to be able to love both sides of that coin of being in front, but then also being in the back supporting. Because I think those are both very important. Yeah. And sometimes those aren't going to be equal. It's not. Gonna, sometimes it won't be fifty-fifty. Mm -hmm. But when it is your tam time to play tambourine, you play the shit out of that tambourine, and you make sure that you're not overshadowing the other person. Basically. Yeah. So this is great. I think. I think naturally we went to sort of a, a 
relationship crux for this stuff. Yeah, because what we're in think? a relationship. Yes. Okay, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so what do you think about just sort of everyday life? You know, just like... Being emotional everyday life? Yeah. Um, I think crying in public is sometimes liberating. Oh, okay. It feels like I'm in a movie. I don't think I've ever done that. Cried? Crying in, pu- cried in public. <laughs> I made a joke. Um... Yeah, they had the, I was like, what was I doing the other day? I was uh, I was like listening to something that was really sad, and I started tearing up, and I was like on the bus. I guess okay, that's why I've I've teared up in public for sure. I teared up just last week, uh, off from a movie, mm-hmm. uh, Coco. Oh yeah, at yeah. the bar. At the bar, yeah. I was like, oh, this movie's hitting me in in a soft spot. Uh, for various reasons but yeah i was like oh wow okay i was like that's that's there i feel that so how did you feel about being in public and feeling those feels i was fine with it i i the focus for me was less on that it was more of oh this scene right now is is hitting me hard and i don't want to start crying so i'll look over here and pay attention to something else for a moment and sort of recenter myself why did you not want to feel those feelings it's it's less about feeling them, more about stopping what's going on around me and having people have to ask me, like, am I okay or have to answer questions. It's more talking to people. Oh, okay. And you were in a group setting, is that yes, correct? Yes, I, right. I was at a table with, with four other people. What I kind of like five other people. is uh, crying, like, while walking and it be raining and so no one can really tell you're crying, but you know you're crying. And like if people really looked at you, they could like see your eyes are puffy. Yeah, I was like, I don't think I don't think that's how that works. I think you can tell because you you also have like your face, your face is contorting. You're you just have a very somber. Yeah, but like if you're like out walking, like strangers aren't. I mean, you're just like d- just doing your thing, and mm-hmm. it's like raining, so you probably have like a hood on. It's a very like movie esque vibe to me. I don't know. Yeah. So that's crying in public when I'm, but then if I'm around people that know me, I do the same thing you're saying is like, try not everything I can possibly do. I'll drink water. So my eyes move away Mm -hmm. from the glass, like, so they can't see my eyes as much Okay. Um, to drink water. Uh, If it's possible, I'll grab a tissue on the side on the slide or just dab my eyes real quick as if I have an itch just to get rid of the, the water the the water the the tears balling up mm-hmm. um yeah because it's like it's, it's if i care about something deeply it's pretty easy for me to yeah like have my voice crack a little bit or have like a tear like my eyes water but it's not like i'm bawling yeah yeah the voice crack is always the dead giveaway oh i hate my voice cracking oh it makes me so mad <laughs> Like, as soon as my voice starts to crack, it, like, makes me mad, right. which probably makes me more emotional. Oh, totally. I feel Ugh. that. I feel that. Yeah. If it's, like, even if it's not sadness, but if there's just, like, an ex- any extreme emotion right. and you're and you're trying to stay calm, but you have to, like, speak and you and you just, you can hear your voice going, like, no, this is going south and, like, your voice is cracking or, like, you're shaking. You're just like, God damn it, I failed. I, didn't, I couldn't keep it together. And so now, now you just start... It just starts sort of falling apart. Yeah, so that's a that's a natural feeling. I think most people feel that. Yeah, I remember one time I had a meeting where I was really frustrated, and I was leading the meeting, and I was really frustrated with some of the way people were responding to what I was saying because mm-hmm. it felt like they were belittling me. Okay. And at one point, I was like, called them out on it, and my voice cracked a little bit, but then I kept strong, and that was it. And I was like able to keep going. And then afterwards, someone was like, "Oh, you seemed really emotional about that." I was like, "Ah, oh, fuck it." <laughs> That, see that's that's like a that is, like they were trying to be sympathetic and supportive but i was like oh i didn't want anyone to notice sure maybe but like why i'm curious why is that a thing right like what? why why do we use people's emotions and feelings as ammunition against them i don't i don't think her intention was to like she did it in private like she was checking in and 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 being supportive but because i was trying to be undercut like i i I wasn't I was frustrated and that's where that emotion came from. It wasn't me being sad and because she took it as like me being sad, 
I was really frustrated and she was just checking in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, I do. I do. But I I also think, especially, you know, for anyone who works in an, especially in an office setting and has meetings that they have to go to, there is, there is this very delicate game you have to play where it's like, oh, I'm in control. And then the minute you're not in control, um, you know, for instance, if you get too emotional, whether it's upset about critique or sad about a critique, then it get that, then the tables turn and then it's almost, not even almost, it's a lot of times people will then begin to dismiss you or not take you seriously. Yeah. It's like, it's like, why do we tie so much of what we think about a person to these small moments of where they're showing emotion? So uh, I was reading some articles talking about how to handle crying at work. Okay. And these are some suggestions they gave. Oh, yeah. Let's hear them. Own your tears. If you're not embarrassed about crying, others won't be embarrassed either. Take a breath. Say something like, as you can see, I have strong emotions about these topics because of how much I value our work. Okay. What do you think about that? I think I've met so few people who actually talk that way, like that specific sentence. But I love that sentiment where it's it's more of a, hey, yes, I'm emotional about this, but it's because I care because I give a shit yeah I, I was thinking I might put that in my back pocket just because I'm I, yeah I get you know if my voice cracks it, it'd just be like acknowledging it like oh my gosh like my voice cracked I'm off I'm you know I'm very emotional because I value and I care so much about what we're doing well, and just take a breath and like be and then but continue talking yeah I mean I, now that you say that that's probably what leads to that negative connotation to it right for us for anyone who has that break in emotion there they do there is that sort of like guilt of it or, they, or you feel bad about it but if you just own it yeah yeah then that, that that might do away with that that negative connotation that comes after it well, or that th- negative judgment i think especially running away crying shrinking and not talking makes people want to check in with you too and feel like fair. that's fair you know oh you're acting like quote childish because you but because there's such a fear about crying but mm-hmm. if you just own it, it doesn't feel so much like this thing that you are hiding. I don't know. Yeah. Or sometimes it's just people might think, oh, something's really wrong. wrong, really wrong. And you're like, and it's no, it's just small. You decided it was frustrated. Right. Another th- suggestion is laugh. There's nothing that makes you and everyone else feel more comfortable than laughing together. If you manage to laugh through your tears, you can say, I guess you can see I care a lot about this. Okay. I'd like it. I think it's a, it's a fine line we talked about in the last episode about using like humor is a good defense mechanism, but it, there's, it, you, it can, you can blur the lines if it, can, if it gets too self deprecatory. But if you, if you, if you, if, uh, if you start, if you, if you cry a little bit, um, I'm, and then you laugh and you're like, wow. And you're like, wipe your tear. I'm like, wow. I, you know, that really like touched me. Okay. So you're, you're, you're laughing, but not to shoot away. You're still, you're still acknowledging it. You're still in the moment. You're, yeah. You're I'm present. recognizing that I cried, but I also recognize how, um, I don't know want to say silly it is, but that. Oh, it's definitely not silly, but. But like. It, it caught you off guard. Caught, Yeah. Probably because yeah. I'm sure a lot of times when you are in a meeting or any social setting and you're having a conversation and you're not expecting to be hit with a, a strong emotion, yeah, it's you're caught off guard for sure. Yeah, I mean, my personal experiences of when I've mostly cried is when I've been caught off guard with someone at a higher position than me, mm-hmm. just saying something really terrible to me and very personal to okay. me. So I don't know if any of these situations really work for that. <laughs> Um, I guess just laughing in their face. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but I hopefully will never be in those situations anymore. Yeah, hopefully I, I feel bad for anyone who's in those in situations where they are powerless. Yeah. I definitely actually, I have I have done the laughing one with a one-on-one with a coworker. Okay. And it was a very sweet exchange. And then she ended up kind of crying a little bit uh, because we just had this like very sweet exchange. Mm-hmm. Um and that was nice. Yeah. Okay. And the third one is if you begin sobbing, excuse yourself and leave the room. But when you come back or the next time you're in that group, bring it up again 
and talk about a transparent talk about it transparently following one following the numbers one and two. So if you're like sobbing, yeah, so I guess that's like if advanced, <laughs> you are actively crying. So that's like the person being like, "You're shitty, Krista," and then I'm like, "Oh my god!" and I start crying. Mm-hmm. I should leave the room, come back, and be like, <laughs> "Wow, I was just really thrown off by you telling me I'm shitty." I must really care about my my uh, the work I do here. Yeah, that's that's a it's a hard uh, it's a hard hypothetical to to imagine. I think it, I, for me, I feel like that's a that seems like a good way to play off. I mean, I'm obviously a very extreme hypothetical, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's an exaggeration. It's, it's like do you just like track that person down and and. I, I don't think you would. I'm assuming you're in a meeting. That's what I mean. And mm-hmm. you come back to finish the meeting. That's my my assumption is like you're in a, some sort of meeting. Sure. And in, in a work setting. But I think also just if you're having a, a conversation with someone, I think, oh. I think I think I think, yeah, excusing yourself or if you get to the point where you're sobbing. Right. Because they said something that you felt was was really terrible. I think excusing yourself is great. But. To me, in my mind, when I think about when you come, when I come back to then laugh about it, like I'm, that doesn't make sense to me. Like I'm gonna confront it. I'm gonna be like, hey, you know, you said something that. Oh, was, that, you know, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, you yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. That is a good point to be like, hey, yeah, not I appreciate you giving me feedback, and but, I really yeah. appreciate feedback. It just came off like a personal attack, and that made me very emotional. Do you want to try this again? Yeah, like I think. Uh, which I appreciate. I think something you're really good at. There's a lot of times where, because I'm so in my head, uh, there's times where I'll say something to you that that's maybe sounds really short or curt, and it's usually because the first part already took place in my head, or I knew the context, and so I t- felt like I didn't need to say it out loud. And it's just there's so many mm-hmm. variations, but you know you're really good at going like, "Hey, that kind of came off." you know, this way or that way, or that sounded kind of rude. And I'll go, Oh, okay. And, and it sort of, it helps me readjust how my think my thinking process when saying these things, I think that that's probably the best thing I can think of is, yeah. is just, just addressing it. You know, I think that's true. I think addressing it's good. And I think the laughing thing is more, um, it's still addressing it, but, um, depending on the tone of the cause for crying, like maybe there was just a cat video or something, right? You know, <laughs> you're like, no, no, I'm fine. It's just the cat's so goddamn cute. Yeah, exactly. I can't help it. I can't help it, which is all all the time. <laughs> uh, it also suggests if you are someone who is a leader and you have an employee or someone you work with mm-hmm. who cries, what you should do, how you should respond, and how many of those. There's two. Oh, was only two. Okay. Okay, I'll, I can say them at the same time. Openly acknowledge that crying is a natural auto- autonomic process and normalize crying. And then the other suggestion is share an example with your colleague of when you cried at work. You'll model that being vulnerable is okay, which increases the level of trust and safety and gives implicit pr- permissions for someone else who might need to cry in the future. I love that. That's great. I think I try to practice that just in general. Whether I'm at work, which doesn't really happen that much at work, or like a friend, or, or if whatever. a friend, yeah, and and, and there, and if they have an emotional moment, you know, I think most of us, our initial is like, oh, I'm sorry, sorry, and we try to play it off. I, I think I, my default is to is to be present in that moment and go, no, 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 you're having there's a thing, like, let's not brush it aside, right? Like, have your moment, don't worry about it, like. Feel yes. your feeling. Yeah. Yes. It it could might be awkward and uncomfortable, but that's that's not a intrinsically like bad thing. Like yeah, let's that's... be awkward for a little bit, and we'll, this will be a little uncomfortable until we get past it. Until you get until you process that emotion. Yeah, and you can't process your emotions until you feel them. Exactly. Okay, Lewis. So yeah, since we're talking about emotions in public and uh, just being more emotionally available mm-hmm. and. And that's okay. And being able to like be connected with our emotions, and that's a good thing. Totally okay. Um, I have some questions that I have from a wellness guide. Okay. Um, so the first one is: What challenging moments are you working through? 
What challenging moments am I currently working through? I think the biggest the biggest challenge for me at the moment is related to work, but I think at the heart of it, it is uh, the confidence I have in myself and in my skills and the level of talent that I have. I think right now I feel very down on myself and I'm trying to remember I not remember, but I'm just trying to get back to the point and reinforce that I have skills and I have talent in things and and um and to believe in that talent that's the biggest thing that's uh the biggest hurdle uh emotionally uh, that I have right now. What about you? I think I'm in a similar camp, yeah um me and Liz are both doing kind of a job reevaluation, yeah um. I've been doing some temping and trying to um, move towards a more career-based job and, yeah, just trying to be confident and put my best foot forward instead and um, reaching for the stars and not settling. I think that's my biggest challenge is not settling because that's often what's gotten me in trouble before because I'm scared to take Mm -hmm. a big leap. Right. And it's scary and that's, I mean... Yeah, it's scary to take a big leap and and reach for something that is challenging. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to go with something that's safe, and that's what I feel like I've kind of been doing. And I think my problems have been I'm okay taking those leaps, but now at this point in my life, I need to learn to be calculated and choose the right leaps to take. So that leads us to the next question is what do you learn from these challenges? Hmm. I think I have learned, or at least I'm gaining a better understanding of, one, my worth, sort of in, you know, the the career space or in, in, in the workplace. Um, I'm learning what that is, but I'm also learning how to use that um, in a constructive and positive way, um, not getting angry one thing with me is I wear my emotions on my sleeve so if I'm if I'm if I'm working somewhere where I'm unhappy it will be very evident that I am unhappy uh, and I'm getting I'm learning to quell that and look at everything I guess you know uh, for lack of a better term as a learning experience and and seeing what I can take from these experiences and, and using them to go forward um, what I've been learning is to trust my ability. I've been challenging myself in more creative avenues, non-professionally, and I've been reading some books about um, women in leadership and things like that, and doing research on you know applying for jobs and interviews and things like that. And it's mm-hmm. all you know, just so much of it is selling yourself, being confident and doing the research and learning the skills to be able to do things. And I think for so long, I thought you had to be willing to do anything for anyone and you were just grateful for the opportunity and then they would praise you Mm -hmm. and give you an opportunity based on your merit. Right. But that's not how it works. Usually You have to take it. You have to take it. And if that means just saying I will do this extra thing or I I want this or just doing it because I think I was so meek. Um, I've been trying and learning to be more assertive and more confident. My next question, did you, you said what you learned, right? Yeah. My next question is since we were talking about emotions and we're mm-hmm. talking about checking in on our emotions, maybe we could end with, what we're feeling right now? What's our emotional temperature right now? I feel optimistic for the future, which is uh, maybe somewhat unfortunately not common for me. Uh, but right now I feel feeling optimistic for the future. I'm feeling a mix of being content, like just like with today, I'm feeling really content and, you know, this weekend but also like super anxious. I've been feeling super anxious and high strung this last week or two weeks. 
um, because I have a potential big interview, I had a big show, I have an even bigger show happening in a couple weeks, or a mo- like in a month or so, I okay. mean. Um, so I just feel like I have a lot on my plate, and it's very exciting, but also it just makes me super anxious because I don't want to drop any of the balls. Got it. Gotcha. So I'm excited. I'm I'm happy, but I'm so anxious, and I, I'm worried that my anxiety is going to fuck it all up. So I'm trying my best to be content and, and just do the best I can. Awesome. I love these questions. These are good. All right, guys, make sure you, uh, you know, be stay in touch with your emotions. Yeah, yeah. And if if in that process you want to reach out to us, um, you can always email us at casuallyawkwardpod at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter. Awkward is okay is our handle. Um, yeah, and you can uh, find more, uh, past and future episodes of the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, all the fun stuff. Yeah. Oh, Krista, you mentioned some shows. Um, do, you, do you have anything in April coming up? Uh, any of something in May? Um, I will be at the Women in Comedy Festival in Boston the first weekend in May, if any East Coasters are listening. Awesome. I'll be with Dirty Blonde performing some improv and checking out all the other sh- women performing. And I might have a show in April, but I uh, don't have it in front of me. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely throw that up on uh, on Twitter probably once, uh, once we get some details. And then for you local Seattle people, I'll be performing with Justice Ladies in May for a sketch month at The Pocket. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Krista. Thank you for another great episode. I had a lot of fun. Thank you all for listening. Um, And we'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.